a choice right now, right now, between fear and love. It's just a rock. Out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth. Expanding reality. A population of citizens capable of critical thinking. We don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. There's a, a level of reality where everything dissolves into an ocean of energy. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. That's very profound. Very Expanding reality. reality. Welcome to Expanding Reality Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Thomas. This week, guys, as far as bangers go, it's one of them. Uh, we have on the show today Darcy Ware and Gary King. We're going to talk about Darcy's new movie, Crop Circle Realities. It is incredible. Uh, the link below for where you can find all that and his other films will be in the show notes. Uh, as far as Gary King goes, he's been studying the crop circle phenomenon for a damn long time and is fascinating so whatever you think that you know about crop circles throw it out the window because you don't know anything until you listen to this episode it is unbelievable it'll make you feel like a kid again whenever you see these things and if you've kind of looked at the phenomena and then thought oh that's pretty interesting take a good hard look at it and how absolutely fascinating and whimsical and magical this phenomena is crop circles are incredible like I said, they make me feel like a kid every time, but enough of this crap. Let's get to the episode, you guys. This is Darcy Weir and Gary King, Crop Circle Realities. Welcoming to the show, it is uh, returning champion Darcy Weir and a newcomer, Gary King. How are you doing, Gary? I'm very well, thank you. Pleased to be here. Good deal, man. Uh, fascinated by crop circles. I love this. I cannot wait to talk about this. It is one of those things about the phenomena that I think it's a little overlooked, but then when you're reminded of it, you're just like, Okay, these are awesome, and I love this topic. So, uh, Darcy, your new movie, uh, tell us a little bit about it, man. Um, yeah, so Crop Circle Realities is just a documentary that I released in uh, on the 13th of March, and pretty much what I'm trying to do is touch on a, a few different aspects of the crop circle phenomenon, the reality of... Um, crop circles showing up throughout time, throughout history, um, really around the world, but um, the most frequency of crop circles uh, has arised in um, York, uh, in Wiltshire. the UK, in Yorkshire, yeah. Wiltshire. Uh, Wiltshire, 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 my bad. Wiltshire. Scratch it. Wiltshire. <laughs> no, Wiltshire. we're keeping all this, man. This is great. Wil Wiltshire. Wiltshire. Um, That's good. And, uh, yeah, and, and um, pretty much I wanted to sort of dispel the rumors or the myths that all crop circles were man-made. Um, I think that that assumption really hurts the crop circle analysis that's been going on for better part of like 30 plus years. Um, and Gary King uh, has been studying them for over 25 years. And I featured him in there because he's basically walked in himself uh, into over 900 crop circles that have appeared over the years, which is 
astounding. And he's done analysis of them as he walks in. And um, many of the features that you find in them uh, point to some kind of intelligence creating them that aren't using wood boards and, and ropes. Um, now, there's been a bit of a campaign to destroy the study of these and destroy the the um, interest in these from mainstream media. For example, National Geographic made a documentary trying to say they're all man-made and, um, you know, with clever editing and such, they don't really discuss the full time that it took to make them uh, or, you know, how many people were involved in producing them. But uh, I think time and time over, over time and time again, over history, we, we keep seeing these incredible crop circle des- designs, these not just crop circles, but we'll just call them glyphs because, you know, some of them are rectangles with faces and binary code messages and all kinds of intense, uh, incredible things to behold that, um, you know, I think more people should know about. And if they watch the doc, they'll learn a bit more. Completely agree. I think good luck uh, making these, taking the interest out of them because they're fascinating. I mean, you just look at it for two seconds. You're just like, this is incredible. Um, the, so some of the stuff that has come out about the, ho- the hoaxer, so that uh, Doug Bauer and Dave Turley, is that correct? Turley. Turley. Okay. Turley. And, is it and Turley? Surely. Surely. T-H-O-R-L-E-Y. Okay. Surely. Yeah. And so those guys, when they came out with their sticks and boards and or their strings and boards and all that stuff and were saying that they were responsible for these, uh, what I like about the film, and, and Gary, uh, I'll ask you about this because you have seen so many of them. Now, one of the best breakdowns that I saw was one that you guys took a look at. I think it was April 22nd, 2017, with the one with the cube, the three-dimensional cube in it, and then the uh, spiral arms around the outside of it. Mm-hmm. And that was in the yellow field, the yellow flower field. And I love how you got down in there. And Darcy, was that your idea to get down in there and, and to actually have Gary walk you through why they're significant and what's interesting about it? He's been reporting on those for a number of years for Jaime Maussan, and Jaime Maussan was featured in this doc, um, the research that he's been doing, but, uh, you know, in in Congress with all the stuff that uh, Gary's been doing. So it was more so Gary's uh, collaboration with Jaime to go and analyze that uh, formation, yeah. Well, Gary, uh, your breakdown on this is fantastic, man. I think that uh, the way that you approach it and the way you go about it, it's it's very well done. The research that you do is incredibly observational research. You, you've seen some that have been fake, and then you've seen the legit that we still don't know what they are. And we'll, we'll talk about the orbs and stuff here in a little bit. But walk me through what you saw in that as how you know that it wasn't man-made for the audience here. Um, so, well... The main thing is the broken stems. When, when boards push down the crop, they break them. They break the crop. And then because they're stepping every sort of 18 inches, they lift their foot and then they step down again, you see a consistent pattern of damage. And, it, and the board scrapes up the stems, particularly with canola, with rapeseed, because you've got it's, – it's a bit like celery, really, and it, it's very brittle. 
And as the as the board scrapes up the stem, you'll just see these white scrape marks that are up the stems. So the per- there's a classic. Um, I did an ancient alien show um, five years ago, maybe. Um, they got three guys out, the three experts, the world leading experts of making crop circles. You know, the guys that claim they they do all the commissions for TV and stuff like that. John Lundberg and a couple of other guys. And ancient alien said, okay, there was a crop circle in Canola. Um, at Golden Ball Hill, um, I think it was about 2002. It was about 90 feet in diameter. It wasn't a very big one. Um, simple, fairly simple design, just some crescents around the circle. And they said, okay, we want you to recreate that for us. So they said, sure. So they went in the field and they spent about four hours and they smashed down the crop. And, and what's really telling, and anybody can, any of your viewers can watch this on YouTube, is the after after effects when you go into the one that they made it just looks trashed but when we look at the photographs of the original these little yellow flowers that are on canola are very very delicate if you walk into a crop circle that way you're covered in yellow pollen and and the, and the leaves of the petals of the flowers just break off but when you got into this original circle at crops at golden ball hill it was just a sea of yellow and not one petal was out of damage, out, out of place. It was just all laid over, no, no scraping to the stems of the crop and so on. And so, you know, we've consistently asked these guys, well, look, when, when you make these, these demonstrations for the television, why is it that we see this trashed crop and yet the ones that you claim you make in the mornings have no damage whatsoever? Why don't you, why don't you make one you know the same in the dark with no lights and don't cause any damage and they never do yeah no and it's it's fascinating too and like i said your observations on it are great and and anybody who's looked into it knows the uh note extensions and the bend overs and they but the way that you put it with the how how you were able to kind of delineate between real and fake and by real i mean authentically not something that can be explained yeah yeah Mm -hmm. uh and, and the way that you point that out that if it was boards and stuff because you've been in so many of them yeah and then even down to the feathering and the way that it lays down again in in this movie darcy you guys nailed it on this man it's one of the most interesting if not the interesting uh most interesting crop circle documentary i've ever seen so um again great work guys uh and jaime malson i love his um his uh proclamation in there that he will give a hundred thousand dollars to anybody who can recreate one in the dark n- not trashed and nobody's taken him up on that yet have they you want to take yeah. a crack at it, Brandon? Uh, I do not, actually. <laughs> Come on, man. You and I, let's get over there and you know, try it out. Let's do it, man. Let's let's figure it out. We'll split it, all right? It's been right. done. I mean, it was done 50. in 1990. You know, There was a competition in 1990, and 10 teams came out, and they, they spent 10 hours making these very small crop circles. And, and, and it was so obvious back then, you know, 20, that's 30 years ago, that these people weren't able to make crop circles in the same way that we find them in the morning. But that's something that's so great about it is is that they attempt to recreate these. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, we printed yeah. out this thing. I've I've worked it out in my mom's backyard, and we're just going to go over here and do it. And then they they cock it, man. They can't do it at all, and it's brilliant. So let me ask you this then. Um, I think just ahead. one thing to add on there. Um, so you you kind of said like uh, with the the geometric shape that was in that canola field, right? I think. Um, a couple extra elements to that that make it less credible that it was made by uh, people is that 
first of all, Gary found that on a hill. So yes. this is on an inclination, you know, and when you're trying to make something look perfect from the sky, um, symmetrical, right? You can't really do that to precision if you're building on a hill, on an inclination. And whoever, the intelligence that created this, you know, made it like that and it just looks perfect, even though it's on this massive inclination, some of the flowers are laying right down, some of them are kind of propped up a little bit, and that effect allowed the design to look symmetrical. So it's like, no, and no one comes forward to claim we did it, you know? That's the other thing. There's so many of these crop circles that pop up and no one's claiming it. Um, and we, we discuss in the documentary that most of the crop is not dead. And because it's not broken, it still thrives. It still grows. Yes. yes. Um, and it just really, it boggles the mind how whoever's created this knows not to do too much harm to the crop. They're literally trying to lay this message and then, you know, let the farmers still have some kind of yield out of that. So really, you know, intriguing that sort of point. If you see somebody's broken the crop, you know that that's, that's not going to grow anymore. And again, this is made in many different types of crop. People think, oh, they're all just made in hay. And it's like, no, it's, it's made in wheat, barley, canola. You know, the canola stems are the size of celery stock. Okay, that's not really an easy medium to play with there. Um, and with the flowers and everything, they're super brittle and it wouldn't, you would just completely uh, destroy the design that you're trying to make if, if you're trying to be delicate. Um, as, as a man with a board and rope, it just doesn't pan out that way. So, yeah, I just wanted to add that extra little information. No, and thank you, because that was one of the most interesting parts about it, and I just forgot to mention it. So, uh, it, but it it's interesting, and like I said, your your observations, Gary, are fantastic. And one thing to the farmers really quick is that the people who grow these crops are pissed off about it. Like, they don't want this to happen. Now, the interesting part about that is, is that uh, they've never caught anybody doing it, right? That's right. So, what what's up with that? I mean, and you know, it seems to be that the most damage that's done, even even with a careful tender foot like you've got, Gary, uh, is us going out there to check these things out. It's no like they would pop up and be fine, like like Darcy said. Yeah, if, that's that's what that's what gets the farmers goat more is the visitors afterwards after the effect because there's a lot of people who turn up who come from cities and so on have never really had much experience of navigating their way around farmland and and. Um, they jump over fences and break them and they and they walk through the standing crop and damage that and um and some of them smoke inside and leave trash and coke cans and stuff which gets caught up in the harvester so so you know there there is a consistent percentage about 10% of farmers who are very very angry every time they get a crop circle and some of them have made a kind of pact together now that when they get one they cut them out immediately Although that doesn't stop people going in their fields because they see something and they walk out and investigate anyway. Right. Um, and then there are there are lovely farmers who who see it as something that's you know a kind of change to to this to you know they do the same things day in day out and when they have a crop circle it's something new right so they leave a donation box and donate it to the local charity and 
things like this. So we get a mixture of reactions, really. <clears throat> I've had shotguns pulled on me. I've had people invite me for dinner. It's, it's <laughs> <laughs> You never know. Uh, and, you know, yeah. and Jaime Misson told, talked about that in the, in the film, that um, one of the local farmers that he went to visit um, had a donation box, and then they donated it to cancer research. I thought mm-hmm. that that was brilliant. That's great. Really brilliant, yeah. And it's a great way to go about it. So, uh, Gary, let me ask you, uh, how did you get involved in this? What, what was the first time that you got interested in this? Uh, it was 1997. Uh, back in October 96, I kind of burnt out. I was a lawyer. Marriage wasn't doing very well and things weren't going well in life. And so I thought, I, I need to take a break. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very stressed out. So during the time off, I was, you know, going to yoga classes and Tai Chi classes and meditation classes and doing all that sort of stuff. And then um, uh, in July 97, it was about June 97, I met this teacher from America, this Tai Chi teacher. Um, and he was over from America to look at the crop circles as well as do some seminars and workshops. So I, you know, I said to him, well, I'd love to tag along. Um, and so he called me up and we went over to Wiltshire one day. I lived 70 miles away from, from the actual hotspot area at that time. Um, and when we got there, there'd been a, a fresh crop circle the night before. Um, and I walked into that crop circle with him. And he, uh, like you see me do now, he was able to point out various things to me, which I would never have seen uh, based on his experience. Uh, he'd been going, coming over from the, uh, from the States for about four years before that. Um, and I, I was just really, really intrigued. I, I felt, I think one of the biggest things was I felt something other when I got inside it. My colleague, Michael Glickman, Professor Michael Glickman, I worked with extensively for many years. Um, he felt the same when he went into his first crop circle. He, he just said, there's this, there's this change in atmosphere when you step inside and, and, and you can sort of feel it, you know. And I wanted to know more. Um, and my, I was lucky that this guy was quite a smart guy. And he said, you know, if, there's a lot of controversy. A lot of people um, in the groups are kind of fighting and arguing with each other. So he recommended that I didn't join any research groups at that time. He said, Study the geometry. There's a couple of guys that have done some really good work, and he mentioned their names, John Michel and John Martineau and Michael Glickman. He said, study their work and come and visit the crop circles every year. Give it 10 years, and then you'll have your feet on the ground with what's going on. And so that's what I did. Interesting. Very cool. And you were just hooked from the first one. I really was. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I often say I went into that crop circle and never left. I, I can understand. I, mean, I I haven't seen one yet, uh, but I would love to. That's on my list. Darcy and I are going to make yeah. one, and um, we're going to go check and that out. And we're flying out to London, and we're going to go check out some crop circles next summer. How about oh, that? Yeah. That'll be the one. I, I want to ask uh, how frequently they pop up, and I, I want to get to the feelings aspect of it later, because that, that is an interesting part of the phenomena. So um, what about um, the August 11th, 96th, Oliver Castle, UK? Mm. So mm. that, that's a pretty interesting one because that's where the orbs... So walk us through that, if you don't mind, sir. Sure. Um, so this was a year before I got involved in the crop circle. So I, I, all, the, all the reports I got about what went on from other researchers that I became friends with and eventually worked with, um, they, they sort of told me what happened on, on, around that event. Uh, and then I was able to examine laboratory, the laboratory analysis of the footage that was sent to London to be analysed to see if it had been faked and so on. So um, uh, essentially, a 19-year-old kid who'd come over from Australia to sort of hang out and look around the crop circles decided to do a night watch. 
uh, he asked several people. There was a pub in those days where everybody used to hang out to meet for the crop circles. Andrew Buckley? Uh, no, no. The, the guy's name from Australia? Oh, yeah, yeah. What was his uh, name again? Oh, his name is John Whaley. John Wiley. Whaley. 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 Is it John Wiley or Whaley? Whaley. Whaley. John Whaley. Okay. John Whaley. I, I did a bit of research on him, by the way. I think mm-hmm. he's like a big time uh like ceo for some oil and gas company now in really in australia yeah is that right anyways wow well it'd be nice to try and catch up with him he 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 you know he, he got blown away that time um he he wanted to do a night watch he was asking people around the pub if anybody wanted to join him but nobody did because everybody knew it was going to be rainy and cold that night but he went anyway and set his tent up and um and he was in his tent. I think he said he was sleeping around 4 a.m. Just, just before the light, you know, just as the light was coming up. And he was woken by some strange uh, high-pitched tones. And he looked out of his tent and he just saw these orbs flying around. So he grabbed his camcorder, 1996 DV, mini DV camcorder, and aimed it at the field and just started filming. Um, and he filmed for about 15 minutes. Uh, there was a there was actually originally more than fifteen minutes of footage of these ball or these orbs flying around the field. He didn't actually see the crop circle go down himself. Um, and then he got himself together. It was very early. He knew that the pub wouldn't open until ten o'clock, and he was there scratching at the door at ten o'clock, waiting to try and catch any researchers and show them what he'd found. And I spoke firsthand to people who were there, namely Polly Carson. She was she's one of the farmers' wives and. A researcher called Francine Blake, uh, Blake, she was there, um, and a man called Peter Sorensen. Um, and they all watched the video. Then they put it up on the TV screen in the pub, and everybody watched it. Um, and that's when they saw the crop circle go down. Damn, that's cool. Um, now, Peter Sorensen said to this young lad, oh, let me have the video. I got video editing skills and one thing and another, and give me the tape, and I'll sort it all out, you know, and, and, and get it presentable and we'll do something with it. And then claim to have lost it, save for the few seconds that you see on the, um, on the YouTube uh, site now. And Peter Sorensen, we, I, to be honest, I always thought he was a bit fishy. Yeah. Um, uh, and then years later, he came out as one of these guys who claimed he made all of them. At first, he was coming over every year from America and saying he was a researcher and he was interested in sacred geometry. Um, but then years later, now, He's a drunk who, who can't even lift his feet up to get inside a car, really, and says he makes all the crop circles. So he's another one of those kind of... Um, I believe we call those wankers. <laughs> wankers, that's right. We call these people wankers. That's exactly right, mate. <laughs> Very good, Darcy. <laughs> I'm thinking of things while, you know, <laughs> you just, I'll have my things like, to say. All right, I'm going to dive in here and say wanker. I love it. Okay. Wankers, yeah. I'm, well, I'm ready. Darcy, how did you and Gary meet, man? You know, Gary, um, I've been following for a long time. Uh, he had no idea that he actually had this rabid uh, Canadian like <laughs> fan that was following his every move behind the scenes. But uh, actually, Jaime Malson and I had um, agreed to, to work on a few documentaries together. And um, I said, look, I'm going to do like two more. and you know, one's going to be on crop circles and the other one's going to be on volcanoes. And, you know, you've probably already seen the volcano one, but uh, 
this crop circle one was one that I always wanted to do. And uh, getting to work with Gary after I had worked on it with Jaime's son um, is actually the best treat of all because now, um, you know, we get to talk more in depth about the research he's been doing over the years. I get to learn more about him and hopefully in the future we can do some more stuff together. Um, yeah. I think he's, he's really brilliant and uh, yeah, just a fountain of knowledge for this phenomenon. So um, the Oliver Castle event had the orbs in it and that's what he was filming originally. And then yeah. they saw the crop circle afterwards. So let's talk about the orbs real quick. So mm -hmm. the, the orbs are fascinating and I love the part. I'd never seen the video about the Niagara Falls uh, orb that was in there. And how when it went underwater and then back out, it left a splash going in and a splash coming out. Pretty hard to fake. Uh, that's yeah. pretty interesting, man. I thought that that was fascinating. And I'd never seen that before. So what, what is our take on the orbs here? What, what does that have to do with it? Well, I mean, that, you know, that's, that's all the speculation, really, isn't it? We don't know what they are. They could be kind of drone things from bigger, larger UFOs. They could be... Uh, they could be elements from the earth they could be spirits um it's it's really difficult to to say what it is yeah but what we do know is that these things have been seen many many times around wiltshire they've been seen many times and filmed around crop circles flying through crop circles and then on this occasion making one so they are connected to some kind of higher intelligence that breaks the laws of physics as we know them when they do things like this um, we did a night watch in 2008 um, because of because of what happened to me. We'll come on to 777. Some, you know, I had a big experience in 77 on the 7th of July 2007. As a result of that, I was contacted by hundreds of people saying, "Are you going to do a night watch on the 8th of the 8th of the 8th?" So we did. We arranged. Jaime was there. He flew over from Mexico, and we had like 200 people go up on the hill. And this huge eight crop circle came in the morning. Is that the one with all the circles? Yeah. They're where they are 20% larger than the other ones? Yeah, that's, that's right. That's in the right. Film? Damn, that's That's cool. right. Um, so um, on that night, the guy that had been the cameraman with us on 777 came again. And he was shooting across um, Eastfield and across to Milk Hill, where the formation actually came, just below Milk Hill, which is just across the road from where we were. And he filmed this ball of light come out of the ground, this orb, move off towards the Vale of Pusey. Two military helicopters came into the frame, and then this thing just vanished off into the distance in a, you know, in a microsecond. So it came up from the ground? Came out of the ground, yeah. Huh. Just Which as does... if it sort of materialized out of the ground. So. Yeah, which does, I mean, you wouldn't think that it would be coming from a UFO, I mean, and we don't know, and then just kind of hide in the grass for a little bit and then come up and then do its thing. But they That's are associated it. with the crop circle phenomena. So, Definitely. Um, tell it, you know, in my mind, whenever I see something like that, and I had the thought whenever I was watching the film, is that they're almost like, um, I want to say like paranormal 3D printers almost, you know, because they kind of yeah lay these glyphs and they kind of do their thing and it's it seems very uh intelligent definitely like you said but almost like they're programmed because sometimes there's several of them that are working in tandem together they do this amazing stuff they don't actually fly down into the crop they seem to be able to they manifest underneath them but some energy or something is happening uh, yeah. and so i just had the thought of like 3d printer you know where they're just 3d printing these 
it seems like there's um like some kind of radiation being released in order for these uh crops to be laid down like that um and uh we discussed briefly wc levengood a, a gentleman from michigan state uh a physicist that analyzed crops that seemed to be laid down that were still growing um you know just to try and decode this mystery of what made them do this um behavior this action and um they noticed the nodes had kind of like had steam expelled from them uh and there seemed to be like metal uh balls of of metallic ore that had been pulled into the stems because this sort of suction um some kind of physical thing happening where a little bit of steam was being released and then the elements were being sort of sucked out of the soil into the stem and uh he deduced that there was some kind of radiation being uh exposed to them to make them sort of just be flattened in that in that motion that one fell swoop and it by all accounts if you look over and over at these crops and the formations the glyphs that are in them it looks like they're 3d printed yeah it looks like um and you know gary had mentioned before drones if you think about it just theoretically if you're a intelligent species or an intelligent um extraterrestrial race that is watching you know you've picked up our signals you've picked up our probes that have gone into space you've picked up uh radio radio signals and such that are just constantly you know trashing uh the solar system around us because we're a pretty noisy um group of individuals great way to put it uh they're probably tuning in to planet earth and if they can't travel here physically themselves due to some kind of physics uh, limitations, maybe they're sending drones. I mean, we have sophisticated drones that we see video through and can shoot rockets through and, you know, do all kinds of war games type stuff with. But who knows? Maybe these guys have uh technologically evolved to such an extent that they can send these sort of energetic probes to use our own atmosphere or use our own planet's physics to create these glyphs and then take off yeah and i mean it's like us we've sent we've sent drones or robots to other because you know mars is the only planet right 100 percent inhabited by robots and they were sent there by us sure yeah, I I think it's interesting, of course. I mean, because the phenomenon is fantastic. I mean, just if you just see these things, it just it makes you like a kid. You just want to find out what the hell's going on with this, just because it's so magical, right? And even yeah. back to like the mowing devil in the early what sixteen seventy eight in England, whenever they mm -hmm. had the mowing devil. Well, they did. We didn't have people out there doing that kind of stuff, allegedly, right? They just showed the hell up. And was that sighting? Do you guys know associated with any orb or lighting or anything like that? Yeah, there was there was light seen that night. Yeah, they they thought that. Uh, I think the report mentions like they thought there was fire or fireballs or something like that. 
but yeah, they were definitely light seen. I'm not sure if it was orbs. But... And of course, in the 1600s, that's how you describe it, right? It's like fire because you don't have a technological Absolutely. reference point uh, to describe yeah. it as headlights or something like that. Yeah. Um, so we've talked about the Niagara Falls one. So let's do real versus fake here. So I'm interested in, um, again, so we know that the people that go out to do this that claim that they're doing all of them, they're easily recognized as not being the actual phenomena. Now, one of the more interesting parts about it, and and Gary, I wanted to ask you about when your breakdown on this is fantastic because your observations, your research is great. Whenever you were talking about the feathering and how it was laying down and I saw you picking up crops and showing how it worked and then even at the 90 degree angle part of it, tell us, tell us what you observed about that. Well, um, that was something Michael Glickman, my colleague, um, used to point out was like, if you take, if you take a piece of cardboard and try to cut out an internal rectangle, you'll always, the scissors or the knife will always go over a little bit. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's really difficult actually to cut out. You've got to have a special press for, you know, these sort of special tools. So when you see this on a 180 foot crop circle where you see a perfect internal rectangle and some of the crop is just feathering into the standing crop a little so that this, the rest of it can, can go off at a right angle. It's actually really, really, really difficult to do. And this is one of the, one of the profound things about crop circles is that on the face of it, they look very simple, but they're not really simple. You know, like people go out and make sand circles and stuff like that and go, oh, well, it's, it's a different medium, right? It's nice and flat. You scrape it. If you make a mistake, you can rub it out and do it again. And, you can't do that with crop. You know, once you've laid it, once it's laid down, it's laid down. It's an excellent point. It's a one shot. And it's a one shot deal. Um, and, and when you're on uneven ground, which most of it is, there's very, you know, these guys, when they, when they pick their fields to do their demonstrations or whatever, they always pick very flat fields. Um, and, and often in my lectures, I give, I, I so I, you know, the, to me, it's a whole process, really, with going through the frustration of the man-made scenario, because most of the guys, when you get to know the guys that claim they make them, there's only a handful of them. They're really, really aggressive and really, really not very nice people. Uh, they seem to spend most of their time online. And if anybody steps forward and says, oh, I had this experience or I went to this crop circle and blah, 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 they're on them to tell them, that, oh, we made that and, you know, don't be stupid. But they say they make them to fool people, uh, but then they want to come out and kind of make people look like fools when they say there's something else. It's a, it's a strange psychology. Yeah, um, it's, it's like a perception management thing, you know, where they talk about how people have inf infiltrated the UFO community and they uh, make up all these crazy stories. So then people start to follow that. But of course, it's ridiculous and wild. Right. And it's almost like it's almost like these people faking that stuff for like a like a men in overalls is how i'll put it because they're crop circle guys instead of men in black maybe they're men in overalls you know what i mean i'm yeah. going to associate the farming yeah. thing with it but it's almost like they're warning people off of looking into it any further and discrediting or perception management the whole angle of it it's interesting no, I mean, i'll give you i'll give you a story like when i this is what my teacher pointed out to me and this was incredible so after the first crop circle we went to several others and and he said to me okay we walk into this crop circle now, give it five to 10 minutes and someone's going to walk in and walk directly over to you and say, I know the guys who made this, right? And I was like, really? And he said, yeah, yeah, watch. And we walked in and sure to form, it still happens to this day. There are these guys that are hanging out at the crop circle all day long 
And as soon as a, some pilgrim comes along to walk inside the crop circle, they follow them in and they walk over and they give them this line. Oh, yeah, my, my cousin's brother's uncle's you know, stepson made this. And, uh, and then they give them this line. And people, they just want to shatter their illusions and convince them that there's nothing to look at here. It's interesting. all the time. It is, an, it is an odd part of the phenomena. It is very odd. So yeah. uh, tell me about Napil, your 777. I'm very interested. So mm-hmm. that's what that was a that was an interesting one. I wanted to circle back. I wanted to crop circle back to that with you. Crop so circle back. Go ahead. <laughs> sure. Just one uh, sec. I got a song for you guys. Oh, can we a play song. this? Later? You want it later? No, no, no. I'm saying is it copywritten? Because we can't air it. No, I mean there's like a, a Men in Black song by Will Smith, and I just oh, thought of one. Oh, how it's about this? Copywritten. It goes like this. Here comes the men in slacks. <laughs> the crop circle defenders. Here comes the men in slacks. They won't let you understand what it is. All right. Um, Don't give up your day job, though. See I, well, Sorry, man. <laughs> I, I love it. And that was actually even better. So I didn't know if you were going to play the actual song. Unfortunately, copyright, they won't let us do that. But uh, your uh, breakdown on it was even better. I was actually going to say, just sing it for us. And you beat me to it. <laughs> hey, got you, man. All right. We'll go to 777 because that is honestly an amazing, amazing event. Oh, but, so, yeah. I, so I can't. Doug. Doug. Doug Dave and Doug and Dave, man, they're the worst. <laughs> they're the worst men in slacks that have ever arise throughout this phenomenon. You know, Doug and Dave. Before I get on to seven seven seven, Doug and Dave. Um, there's, I mean, Freddie Silver wrote a lot about this, and and uh, Andy Thomas did a lot of research into into the press agency called MBF Services that released the story, which went into the, a newspaper called Today. There was only one journalist who released this newspaper story about. Crop circles solved. It's two old guys, right? Doug and Dave. They've been having a laugh on the way home from the pub since the late 70s and trying to fool everybody. But here's the thing. Late 70s, crop circles get discovered by Colin, Colin Andrews, Pat Delgado, and a guy called Busty Taylor who had a plane. They all collaborated and started to research the early crop circles. And for 10 years, 11 years or more, Nobody suggested that these things were being man-made. It wasn't even on the radar, okay? It was weather phenomenon. Uh, a, a meteorologist by the name of Terence Meaden came along and said, oh, yeah, this is weather. This is... And then some Japanese guy came along and said, oh, this is ball lightning, right? It's ball lightning. It's bouncing off the hills, and it's creating these kind of little mini tor- tornadoes and making these circles. And everybody was discussing all these kinds of theories. And then in 1991, in the same field where 777 occurred, this field called Eastfield, a huge pictogram appeared, not as big as the one you showed me earlier, but the first ever pictogram, which had straight lines and circles and keys coming off of it and all the rest of it. Same location. Same location. Now, what happened as a result of that is that these little lanes, these little roads in Wiltshire were completely filled up with cars. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people descended on Wiltshire when that hit the newspapers because they thought E.T. was here, right? And everybody wanted to get a look at it. And I've got a wonderful photograph of this lane that goes up the middle of, uh, there's Eastfield to the right and Milk Hill to the left, and there's this road that goes up, and it is just car after car after car with people standing on their roofs trying to look down into the field. The police were just coming along giving out tickets to people who couldn't move, right? You know, you, 
The tractors couldn't move. Nobody, nobody in the farm area could do their work. Ice cream vans turned up. T-shirt vendors turned up. It became a circus, okay, after that. The following year, Doug and Dave. Hmm. And that news article and that TV interview got more airtime than I Love Lucy. Hmm. And it went around the world and it told everybody, there's nothing to see here, don't bother about it. And that was the beginning of the whole hoax campaign. And then, you know, acolytes came along, Team Satan, they called themselves, uh, to make, in saying that they made the crop circles and all of this sort of stuff. Well, they got some the explaining in, to do. Those <clears throat> men in slacks. Men in slacks. <laughs> well, I mean, Doug and Dave, right? We, we questioned. We, we, there was a meeting with a guy called Julian Richardson who claimed he made crop circles, and he had to be helped with what pi r squared meant and radius. How does somebody create geometrical crop circles and, and not know what pi r squared is? I'm pretty sure Doug and Dave have, like, grade five level math skills yeah. as well yeah, yeah. They, they're really not generous. they don't even they're like pie yeah. i had some pie some cherry <laughs> pie the other day it's australian <laughs> have, uh, that's australian, that's australian that's right Gary? oh shit <laughs> <laughs> what do the men in slack sound like oh, oh it's the country bumpkin kind of act. that's what we yeah. call it because i come from london so we call it a country bumpkin sort of uh, accent ah. yeah. oh wow no, you don't want to do it like that. No, no, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that kind of. Yeah. Uh, and, um... I was out there. I was out there <laughs> trying to draw a pie in the field. I was. <laughs> That's it. You got it. And I <laughs> I drew a cherry pie. A I'm cherry pretty pie. sure. But it's I, like... dropped out of, I dropped out of school after five. My dad made me work on the farm, he did. <laughs> <laughs> what it sounds like is a country bumpkin English guy trying to do a Canadian accent. It's so funny how it's reversed. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that was my best Chinese. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to jump in when the Japanese guy was talking about the uh, orbs, you know, and thought it was, what did he call them? Balls of light? The Japanese guy you were talking about? Balls of light, yeah. Balls ball, of uh, lightning. Ball, ball lightning. Ball, ball lightning. lightning. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, so okay. seven, seven, seven. Seven, seven, seven. Yes, sir, please. Thank you. So. Guys. I'd been at crop circles for 10 years. It was the 10th anniversary. And my teacher had said, keep your head down for 10 years. Don't get involved. There's a couple of guys that I had met during those 10 years. One of them was a professor, Nick, Nicholas Collistrom, who'd written a book called Crop Circles, The Hidden Form. And as a maths historian, um, I met him at a festival and we got chatting. We never met in a crop circle, but soon became apparent that we were both into it. And he was able to analyze the mathematical intellectual profile of the people that make the crop circles and was able to say okay when you look at this one this is university degree level and this one's way above phd level and this one's never these ones have never been solved these mathematical problems have never been solved in history before that's interesting so, uh, you know I, he was a, he was a good ally he's still a dear friend um but I, other than that i'd kept my head down for 10 years and i'd gone back to university uh in cardiff to do a a linguistics degree, a language communication. So I wanted to understand more about symbols and um, semiotics and how, you, how we make meaning of things, right? So I was partway through that, and it was the summer break, so I took my trailer down to Wiltshire to spend the summer, six to eight weeks, bouncing in and out of crop circles. And I got up every morning after breakfast, went to the crop circle cafe, had groovy conversations with all sorts of weird and wonderful people. And... Um, decided that because the date, because 777, that I was going to do a night watch. I wasn't a big fan of night watches. I preferred like, you know, going to sleep in bed, to be, to be honest, I'm sitting on a cold hill. 
But I thought, you know, there was something. I've got to do it. So uh, my girlfriend joined me, and we went up onto Knapp Hill, which overlooks Eastfield. And when we got there, we met up with a guy who had a load of cameras set up. I'd met him coincidentally earlier in the day. Um, and he was there. He had cameras, um, two cameras on, attached to the front of his van, uh, which were recording to uh, videotape. Uh, he had a, an image-enhancing sort of scanner that he had up on top of the hill and a stills camera that he was taking long exposures with. And we sat down, poured, out, poured, a, poured a flask of coffee and chatted. And he's been recording and, uh, since 11 p.m. And in the height of British summertime, it's still light at 11 p.m. So you can see that there were no crop circles in that field at that time. So uh, we, it was about half past one, he did a scan over the field with the image enhancer and we couldn't see anything. Um, and then about 20 past three, there was just this all no, enormous flash of light, just one flash of light. And it wasn't a stormy evening, it was overcast, windy and fairly cold. And that, that was it, there was this flash of light. We chatted about it for a few minutes and you know, wondered what it was. And then about 15, 20 minutes after that, he decided to do another scan of the field. And when he opened the viewfinder of the cam camera that he had there, he immediately started shouting to us to get out of our sleeping bags and have a look at what he'd seen. And we did. And when we looked through the viewfinder, um, he was just panning across the field and there was just these rows of circles. But we couldn't see it at that point with our eyes. It was still too dark. Um, but we could see it through this viewfinder. So we waited 15 or 20 minutes for the light to begin to come up. And... My girlfriend and I jumped, walked down the hill and got into a car and drove around to the bottom end of the field and walked in. And we were just like ants, really. We walked into this enormous formation, which was 1,033 feet long. Um, it consisted of 150 individual circles of varying sizes. It went up one hill and down another one and up another hill and down the other side. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, uh, every footstep we took was kind of like static electricity. Every every step we took crackled. You huh. could feel this static electricity, which was kind of borne out later with analysis because we sent crops off to Levengood for analysis and found that the crop had been hit by plasma, which I don't know if you know, it's up at about 80,000 feet in the atmosphere. We've got, it's considered to be the fourth state of matter because the electrons are so highly charged that they strip away from the, the, the uh, proton in the middle and they just kind of dance around. Um, and so that's why when we stepped onto the crop, we were earthing it in a sense and the electrons were jumping back. It's a bit like the physics experiment you do in school with the, with the, you know, the furry thing where you rub, rub it and then you touch somebody and you get a shock. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you guys <clears> were grounding the crop as you were walking across. We were grounding it as we walked across oh. it, yeah, which gave us an enormous headache for a week. I can imagine, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was it, really. And then I became, you know, in, into the, in the public eye because people, media and various other things, we made a little movie about it and people wanted to interview us and stuff. Obviously, the people who claim they make them step forward and said that we were just idiots and that they made it in front of us in the dark and we didn't see them and, Men and all slaps. that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. They did it in, you know, so even, even so I tried to keep it simple, you know, it's like it's less than five hours if you do the numbers. Um, but let's round it up to five hours because at four o'clock, we, we saw it through the camera at about 20 to four. Um, but if we round it up to four o'clock, five hours is 300 minutes. There were 150 circles in that formation. 
That means that they that these people had to come in in the dark without us seeing or hearing them, uh, without the cameras, which were very light sensitive detecting them, that were recording the whole night. And they had to make one circle every two minutes and then leave the field before any cameras pick, pick them up. It's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. No cars, no car tracks, you know, no. all that type of stuff. There's, you, you get the normal stuff where there's a guy who was parked in the little car park at the end of the field who said, oh, I saw some guys coming out about 11 o'clock. No, you didn't. Uh, or running into the field at about 11 o'clock. He's a know. man in slacks. He's a man sure. in slacks, for sure. Yeah, man, yeah. so so you get this kind of evidence. And it's amazing how many people go, oh, that's it, case solved. Some guy saw some people running in the field. and then... Case closed. Who's playing footy? Who's playing football? <laughs> uh, we got awesome. a bit of a, yeah, a lag there with Gare. Yeah, that's okay. I don't okay. know if he's, he's coming back, maybe. Uh, still laughing about your uh, Men in Slacks uh, rendition there, Darcy. Thank you. You are officially you. the yeah. comic relief. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. It's so cool. This is such a cool topic, and especially to talk to you guys about it. I mean, this is awesome. I absolutely love it. Um, well, what, uh, what, what was the first one that you saw that got you interested in crop circles? I think it was the... Um... The Arecibo message. Have you ever seen that? Oh, yeah. We show it in the documentary. It's mm -hmm. the uh, Chibolton, Chibolton um, crop circle for formation. And what happened was in 1974, Carl Sagan sent this Arecibo space probe out there beyond Earth. Um, and attached to it was a placard, a gold um, plate that had... 10 different points of information. Uh, it had the solar system we were in, you know, where, where our planet was, that we inhabited Earth, which is the third rock from the sun. Um, it had our DNA profile. It had our, um, the, the last point was the dish that we use to emit radio waves through the cosmos to pick up and receive and send out um, signals. And it just so happens that we got this message on in the year of 2000. And it was this strange, like sort of double uh, massive sphere um, crop circle formation, but had like hundreds of other little circles connecting up to those two like this massive design. And if you look up Chill Bolton um, uh, crop circles, you'll, you'll, you'll see what I mean if you Google it. And um, then the next year, everybody was wondering what that design stood for, right? And the next year in 2001, um, there was this full glyph that was like a rectangular pattern. Um, and it had the exact line for line response to the Arecibo space probes 10 points that that they had on there in the same uh size and formatting and um you know it shows their bodily form which was a little bit different from ours showed their dna structure which apparently had silicone in it um it showed their um technology that they use to emit and receive signals from space. And that was the microwave 
um, dish. And that same design at the bottom of this glyph is the one that showed up the year before. They were just trying to say this is a microwave dish. And actually, this was found in a crop um, location that has a a dish for it has a radio wave dish like right beside it. Yeah. So it's like they're saying, Hey guys, we're here. This is who we are. We come from this place and this is our DNA and we got your message and we're putting it right beside one of your satellite dishes that you use for space, um, you know, receiving space signals. So it, it was like just nailing the, just nailing it right on the head. And there was also a, a face that arrived in that same um, location um, with a, a disc that had sort of binary code around it. And, um, you know, the face looked very extraterrestrial in nature. It didn't look like a human uh, bust. But, um, you know, old Doug and Dave Chorley, they're at it again. <laughs> And and it's so detailed and it's so interesting and especially the Arecibo message back whenever they responded to it, uh, it it said that they were inhabiting three planets around their star and even it even said all this really cool information. I I think that it's fantastic, man, and it's it's fascinating just how complex, how interesting. And I want to ask you guys about what you think they're telling us, uh, what the messages are that they're sending because this is what it is and even St- Stephen Bassett uh, he says what's the message in your movie and he says that you know maybe the crop circle itself is a message because it's there it, because it exists that's the message what do you yep. think what do you think they're trying to tell us I think I think Gary can elaborate on that but I would just say straight up like it's a, a calling card saying straight we're up. watching we're watching you mm-hmm. we see what you're doing and we're here too you're not alone yeah, that's the that's the sort of first step, really, isn't it? You know, when you when you've established for yourself that it isn't a man-made enterprise and that there's something genuinely mysterious going on here. Um, I've I've often used the analogy of you know living in an apartment building and waking up in the morning and finding that some symbol's been pushed un- pushed under your door, you know, and you you dive out into the corridor and you find all your neighbors are out there as well going, what the hell is this? Yeah. You look at the CCTV and you can't find anybody that's done it. And then the next night, another one shows up and then another three show up the night after that. And every year, year after year, you keep getting these symbols pushed under the door, right? But you can't actually find out who's doing it. Well, at what point do you, do you, do you say, let's give up on trying to find out who's telling us or who's communicating with us, and let's try and focus on what these symbols mean. Um, and so in my research, I've established that there are five categories of crop circles, of kind of themes. Um, so the first one is obviously geometry. Now, the birth of Western civilization began with the Greeks. Before that, you know, we were hunter-gatherers. There was, there was only an oral tradition, writing, literature, um, agriculture, metrology, the measurement of things all began in ancient Greece. Um, and um, the, Plato, Pythagoras, uh, Archimedes, all these people all used geometry as a tool for the pursuit of truth. They were philosophers. They were multidisciplinary lessons that they that they kind of engaged in in those days it wasn't like we have now with these different separate classes everything kind of was seen how um in a way where it 
you you establish the connections between cosmology and philosophy and the ultimate aim was to ask you know why are we here why are humans here what's the point of us what's the point of life what's our role here on earth is the world um random accident and we just happen to be you know the beneficiaries of an accidental um sequence of events that have thrown various molecules together and given us the four elements you know nitrogen hydrogen carbon and oxygen to be have physical form and for material reality to emerge um but then consciousness this metaphysical side to ourselves, is still a mystery there's half the world that believe it's generated in the brain and half the world that believes that the brain's a receiver for a larger consciousness that we're in we're in we're a part of and so the Greeks used geometry as a tool because geometry is number. A number is a very mysterious thing. We overlook it, and we hate, everybody hates maths. As soon as you mention number to everybody, including myself, you go, oh, God, you know, how much change do you get from the shop when you go and buy four oranges and all this sort of stuff is what we learned in school. But number is is the first step on the way to geometry and geometry is number in space. So a triangle is three in space. A square is four in space. There's a way of visualizing the dynamics of number. And we only think of number these days in terms of quantity, but number also has a quality. There's a threeness to things. You need a minimum of three legs to make a tripod. You need a minimum of three to stand a stall on the ground, right? To get stability. You need a minimum of three to enclose an area. Um, the dynamic of two is this, you know, this duality that's in the yin yang and so on. So there's there's principles that the Greeks explored with geometry that we've largely forgotten, and it was all connected to what is our role here on Earth, and is there an intelligent design to the universe? That's number one. Number two uh, is religious or philosophical symbols. So we see the yin yang, we see the tree of life and the Kabbalah, we see the Christ cross, we see the wings of Horus and so on. So to, to my mind, it's almost like we're being reminded of the symbols that we as a human race have created along the way whilst trying to scratch our heads and figure out what, what all this is about, what life is about. Um, number three is animals and insects. So we see birds, we see, we see, we've seen a dog crop circle, we've seen butterflies, dragonflies, in, uh, ants, spiders, jellyfish, um, myriad of uh, different animals in, that are in the natural world. And we can speculate about what that means. You know, we're, we all know, there's no big secret that, that you know, we're, we're kind of destroying the world at the moment. And pesticides in farming are one of the things that cause all sorts of problems for the animal and insect life. So. Uh, in some way, not just specifically to pesticides, but in some way, our attention is being drawn toward the natural world with those kinds of crop circles. And you almost think of the Nazca lines when you think of animals being seen like that. And right. if those were created by people, uh, or maybe that was part of this phenomena as well. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, the mystery of that is that um, we don't know how those people would have got above those glyphs to see them. Right, right. Um, and what, it was coming to my mind because there was an exact replica of the hummingbird as a crop circle. That's really? Actually one, yeah, um, that was in 2008 or nine. It was a perfect hummingbird that's replicated, in the, replicated from the Nazca lines. So some connection there, possibly. And then what about the ancient world connection? I mean, you've spoken about like Greece and stuff, but what about the, uh, you know, Stonehenge and... and uh... yeah. 
Uh, let me just finish up on the categories. Uh, astronomy is the uh, fourth category. So we see a lot of planets, um, solar systems, circle, concentric circles showing us where the locations of the planets are on a particular day. And the fifth and final um, category is completely abstract. We just don't know what they mean. Um, they're just beautiful, sometimes symmetrical, sometimes asymmetrical designs that at the moment we have no idea what they are. But yes, as, as Darcy just pointed out, one of the reasons um, I believe that Wiltshire is the hotspot is farming began in that county. That's the first area, the Salisbury Plain, that got cleared. Uh, the Salisbury Cathedral contains the Magna Carta. It's a very historical place. Um, but originally, this was the first area that where, where the British Isles started to move from hunter-gatherers to farmers to be growing crops and, and raising animals. And so there's, a, again, another reflection for us there. When we went through a transition, uh, and I believe that's what the crop circles are talking about, that we're, we, we have some kind of transition to go through to stop us destroying the world. I think we have to make the decisions for ourselves. But when, they, when these farmers settled there, um, they began to build these enigmatic stone circles like Stonehenge and, um, and Avebury and Silbury Hill. And there's about, at the moment, there's about 25% of the monuments that used to exist in Wiltshire that are still there. The Romans came and destroyed sort of 75% of them. Sons of bitches. Yeah, you know, this... Christian Roman men in slacks. Roman men in slacks. Um, <clears throat> so, so we know that, you know, and if you go you know, all around the British Isles, if you go to Northern Ireland to a county called Sligo on the northwest coast of Ireland, there's 5,125 stone circles there, just in that one county, right? And they all come That's Sligo in Ireland? Sligo, Sligo in Ireland, yes, yeah, in the west of Ireland, the northwest of Ireland. 5,000. Five, the, the, five thousand. I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah. Darcy, uh, Satan, uh, your um, Irish accent, buddy. <laughs> Let me give me one second. It's Sligo. I'm from Sligo, you know. <laughs> we got five thousand. That's we a Scottish. That is a Scottish guy doing a Canadian ah, accent. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll move on. It'll come to me. Okay, apologies. I so, didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, let me just finish up on that. So, so the stone circles um, are a mystery from the old. Yeah. And one of the things that we found, I've worked very closely with a man called Robin Heath. Um, he was a, a, a sort of student, uh, an acolyte of a man called Professor Alexander Tom, who was the first surveyor or engineer to go out and measure the stone circles. Archaeologists very rarely have anything other than O-level maths, right? So they just dig stuff up and talk about aging and so on, right? But they don't actually do any engineering work or surveying work. So this Alexander Tom went out and he kind of got the theodolite out and lined up these stone circles with, you know, the sunrise or sunset and solstice and, and then measured them and, and worked out the geometry inside them and, and established that they weren't just randomly built. They're built to very, very precise geometry based on something like the Vesica Pisces, which is two overlapping circles. And we find all of that implicit hidden geometry inside crop circles. So there is a connection between what these people were up to and the methods they were using, the geometry they were using to create these stone circles, and the methods that underlies the, the design that underpins the actual design that we see in the crop circle um, in modern day times. So it's amazing. It is so cool. Have you heard of the, um, 
thought that I think uh, I forget the damn name, but uh, this guy did some research on to uh, the uh, the hinges and things like that, and he said that people actually used to use them for seed germination. Like they would go put a bag of seeds there, travel from all over the world, put a bag of seeds there, go to bed or something like that, wake up in the morning, take them back to their home country, and they yielded five times as much. Just oh, right. So some there's two great there. stories I can tell you there. Right? A dear, dear friend of mine called um, Glenn Cameron, uh, he, runs a, he runs a company called Journeys with Soul. They take people around the sacred sites on tours. And he's into earth energies. Um, and he did some brilliant research. Uh, find, and he found that see, Wiltshire's on it's, it's the land underneath is chalk. It's just like white, the chalk they use for your blackboard, okay? It's like the Cliffs of Dover. Like the Cliffs of Dover. Nice. And so it contains all these underwater aquifers, uh, underground aquifers, these water channels that run underneath the fields, right? And he plotted where crop circles appear to where these underwater channels are. And he found that 98% of crop circles appear above these water channels. Damn. Now... Water in the summertime, when it gets hot, it recedes from the surface of the, of the ground. In the winter, it can come above and flood. But in the, win- in the summertime, it recedes. And as the water recedes from the surface of the ground, there's an electric potential. That piezoelectricity. Piezoelectricity. And we know, and we know that uh, electricity is, con- is one of the energies that we found responsible for what lays the wheat over. They, there's electricity present right. in the analysis. So... <clears throat> He goes into Avebury Stone Circle, and I think it's at the solstice. I'd need, I'd need to confirm this with him. And there's one stone in the center of Avebury. It's the biggest stone circle in Europe. And he puts a bag of seeds there. And he's done controlled experiments where he's take, kept some seeds away from there, and he's planted those seeds, and they're higher yielding. Yeah. Right? yeah Just yeah. left overnight in this, in this one place in the stone circle. Incredible. Now, here's the, here's the catch. Levengood, when he found out that what, what happens is the crop circle, whatever the energy is that impacts the plants, happens um, at any stage of maturity of that plant. So it can be when it's fully mature and just about to be harvested, or it can be when it's green, or it can be somewhere in the middle. Now, he found that if it's when the crop is ready for harvest, it dehydrates the plants completely, and the seeds are very, very dehydrated and, and won't actually yield very much. And, it, and, and the same if it's too green. But there's a balance point. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a sweet, sweet spot. spot. Yeah. That's it. That's the word, that phrase I was looking for. There's a sweet spot in the middle where if the crop circle energy hits at that time, the plants actually yield more when you Damn. plant the seeds, right? So here's the proof of this. Levengood, as a result of establishing this, began to experiment with applying electrical impulses to seeds and then planting them. And he could increase the yield of a wheat plant by 10% and patented the idea. You can't get anything patented unless it works. And he patented the technology. So the crop circles are actually teaching us how to make more from the seeds. And Levengood, you can check this out. It's on BLT Research. Levengood actually designed a little experiment in the lab and, and ended up patenting a process where you can get more yield from seeds as a result of what you found. Damn. Wow. Darcy, did you know any of this? No, man. And That's I was going to be in part two of Crop yeah. Circle Realities. <laughs> Please. Uh, that, and then you have to do the reenactment of the men in slacks. Me and you will do that. That'll be fun. For sure. Uh, so <laughs> l- let me ask you, though, have, have they found that any of these farmers, I know that they're not real happy about um, having these 
markings, and I don't know that they're necessarily unhappy that whoever does this does this, but they're not happy about the people that come in, right? So there's no issue that they've got with the actual phenomena creating this because it doesn't damage the crops at all. Um, the only thing it does do is draw, you know, researchers and dickheads to it to go check it out. So yeah. um, has there been anything with the crops, with the field and the crops themselves after one of these has happened and maybe in an increase in yield on those particular properties? No, um, because what happens is the, fl- the crop gets harvested uh, completely and then the winter comes and that kills off everything that's you know above ground. Um, what we do find is we get a phenomenon what we call ghosts. So I did a piece for Tip Mexican TV a couple of weeks ago on this phenomenon itself. So we get, um, so, so you'll plant a crop in, uh, the field will be in wheat and there'll be a you know, geometrical crop circle in it. And then that gets harvested and then it all goes away and you've just got the soil there for the winter. And then the snow will fall uh, in February and the, and the whole landscape is white except for the, the area where the crop circle was. And you can still see all the geometry. Really? Yeah. Holy shit. Darcy, do you know that? Yeah. And then Clayton Hill, right, is the one that uh, I believe it's Clayton Hill in 2017 and 2018. Clay Hill, it's called. Clay Hill. Clay yeah. Hill. And um, 2017, this massive geometric shape shows up. Um, and was that in? That was in, in wheat. Wheat, okay. And then farmer, you know, deals with that, mows it, takes his yield. And then the next year in 2018, the same farmer is growing now canola. canola. So there's the flowers and in the exact same place is a ghost image of the crop circle from the year before. What? Literally the exact same thing. And, and the canola wasn't able to grow back in, in the, that same area. So what, you know, if this is just men in slacks running around with boards yeah. and rope flattening <laughs> um, these complex formations, it shouldn't, have this extra effect uh, effect of creating these ghost images a year later where they you know obviously have not returned to do anything yeah and no because i can walk across my yard out here and i leave right. footprints on it but i mean in a day they're gone or when i mow the lawn they're gone and that that it, like you can't see a, a bunch of paths out here whenever i'm you know, exactly. the next year or something like that and, it, Damn, and, and, and if the snow and if the snow came, it wouldn't leave your footprints, right? It right. would snow everywhere. So, <laughs> see, and that's fascinating, though. So the snow will fall everywhere, but not in that particular part. Yeah, so, so you can see still see. I've got photographs. You know, I use them in my presentations. I, I used there was one. There was there was a big formation of a molecule, what looked like a molecule last year from in Patney, and just near Devizes. And a colleague of mine, Nick Ball, who's an excellent um, aerial photographer went and took a photograph of it in February. I think it was January or February. Um, and there's the field. There's all the landscape in white. And this whole area of the molecule is green. The grass is grown, right? <laughs> and and, and, it's, and the, snow's, the snow's not melted there. I mean, this is such a cool thing to talk about, guys. I love this. So thank you again, guys, uh, for being on and doing this. I mean... So let me ask you this, and um, because I knew 2008 had the most, right? The it was a flap of them. It just had a ton, just sequential, and they get they kept getting more and more and more complex. And even with the pigeon formation, and then they didn't finish with that one though. So they came back the next night and added a bunch to it. Uh, these these types of things are fascinating. So 
I, I want to talk to you guys about the 2008 as well as what's going on with um, something else, but I won't forget about it. So just one more thing on this ghost deal. How, how long do they last? Do they only last from, like, is it a year to the day? Is it, I mean, does it keep coming back every winter if it snows? No, well, you, you, so it, it will last several years. And um, like the 888 formation, for example, I've got a wonderful picture of two th- from 2009 where you can see a, a new crop circle and next to that, a perfect shadow underneath the crop of the eight. Damn. This is just incredible. I love There's lots this of stuff. There's lots of them. You see ghosts all the time. Um, we call them ghosts, phantas- phantasms. I think they're phantasmas, they call them here in Spain. But Well, they're fantastic, whatever they are. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask, too, because it seems like what I was going to say was is it, it seems like that um, there's, uh, you know, like the blades that were around. I have this in my notes here. Um, there was okay, so like in um, damn it. Okay, it 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 appears to where that uh, the crop circles are kind of mimicking what they're around, right? So you'll see uh, a mimic of a um, antenna next to an antenna, and a, a mimic ne- of blades next to a windmill, and those those are fascinating. How how that happens? So what do you think's going on with that? Do you think that that that's just something saying that we recognize your technology or? Yeah, not sure. I mean, we there was um, there, in Oxford, um, it would have been 2008 or nine, 2009, there was a, there's three or four windmills, you know, electric turbines. And there was a crop circle that was put underneath it, which looked like a series of cogs or gears. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, people speculated, is, are they trying to teach us some sort of new gearing mechanism for technology for, you know, spinning these or... Yeah. Are we still on? Yeah. We are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it it uh, seems like that big circle, and then there were two next to it, but they kind of connect on the side. That's it. So, yeah, it yeah. does look like that, and it's right underneath the, the big windmills there. Yeah. So maybe they're like, hey, dickheads, you guys can do it better. You know, here's how you actually do or it. Or just drawing our attention to sustainable energy and, yeah. and um, yeah. you know, and that kind of thing. Come and behold, windmill technology. You've had it for hundreds of years, but you're still burning shit. <laughs> yes. Yeah, maybe they just point in that sort of irony out to us <laughs> could be <laughs> okay simple messages go far you know so uh, I, we won't go over the 2008 flap of england uh, because it's it's covered so well in your movie i think that we'll just let that go um so okay so we've talked about the information now uh, another part that was interesting in your, in your movie guys is the um in mexico november 2011 the meteorite uh looking um crop circle right it looks like a meteorite coming and hitting earth and then it was 13 or 14 months later that it happened in Russia. And Jaime Masson in your movie talks about this. I mean, it, it's almost like it was a message. It's, and if, which lends more to the idea that it's intergalactic, right? Or that one in particular could be from an entity that's intergalactic or something like that. Because if they, you know, shag ass, you know, 13 or 14 months out and they can see this thing, they can see the trajectory and they have enough sense to know that it's going to be impacting our planet or interacting with our planet at that point, maybe that's something that, that's a message that they set, you know? Thars, what do you think? For sure. I mean, like, if if we're being watched at one point in time, you know, um, I'll take video for example. When 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 you're creating a documentary or, or creating a film of any kind, you're editing, right? And back in the day, when you were editing you had like tapes and you had these decks and you had like all these controls and it was a linear editing uh, 
technique, a linear editing process, meaning you could go forward, you could go backwards, but you had to edit in this one single line. And now editing, video editing is non-linear, meaning you can jump from one, one point in time to this other point in the timeline. You can flip things around. You can, you know, basically you can see the whole timeline right before you. And people in astrophysics and, uh, you know, uh, high concept uh, space research are saying that time may not be linear. You might be able to look at a whole line, a whole timeline. You can zoom out, look at it, and you can see what's happening. And you can zoom in. You can do something here. You can zoom out. And then you can zoom in over here. And so um, it's very possible that when you, you're looking in the universe at another planet and it's very far away, you literally have that ability to look at a whole timeline before you. And you can intercept at certain points of the timeline and send a message. And Crop Circles has this very, to me, it has this very like Truman Show type of uh, effect to it. You know, it almost makes you feel like you're living in a bubble more than anything else because of these glyphs that are showing up that are only visible from above. Like it just, it, it just seems so complex and it seems like it's it's a message that's you know um being reflected based on where we are in time right now and where we could go in time there's many uh you know jaime even says that um if you look at that message with the alien uh head and the disc in binary code it said a bunch of things but one of the things it said was uh, much pain, but there's still time, meaning we're looking at what you're doing in your timeline and you're going to go through a lot more pain. You're going to go through a lot more problems. Probably the whole world's going to get shut down by some massive, uh, pandemic. Um, but there's still time and you still got lots more. So get your acts together because you could have a bright future, you know? Um, that, that could be part of this story in my opinion. And, uh, you know, speaking of pandemic, we even showed the crop circle that showed up last year in 2020 of a COVID-19 formation. Yeah. And, uh, Gary actually has been doing some work recently to, um, investigate that crop circle. Yeah, it's almost like that uh, that theory about the chronovisor. And we we've heard of that, right? The chronovisor that the U.S. government has or governments have, and it's a, they could see um, different points of time and stuff like Project that. Project Looking Glass, or yes, there you yeah, go, okay. something like that. Yeah, I think yeah, chronovisor oh, yeah. is just a cool. Um, yeah, I knew you were on your shit. Uh, so, Gary, what do you think about the um, the one that was found last year? The coronavirus. Yeah, uh, it's very interesting. I I. Um... I did a bit of work on this and I produced a piece for Mexican TV. Um, a, 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 a retired psychology professor by the name of Jerry Croth did most of the work on this. Um, he wrote a book, which you can download on Kindle. Um, 
he looked at it and he thought, okay, there are nine, looks like a virus. There are three large circles in the center and three smaller ones. And then outside of that, there are these three little kind of protrusions. And then you've got nine, what looked like nine spike proteins. But one of them is much, much bigger than all the others. And it has eight tufts of crop in the end of it. So are we talking about spike protein eight? So he consulted some epidemiologists and, um, and geneticists and so on and found out that spike protein 8 specifically gears our immune system to fight the virus. It's the one protein which is connected to us and our immune system um, in, in terms of activating our in, immune system to fight off the virus. So I tried to do some research to find out if the vaccines that have been connected are in any way connected the spike protein eight, but was unsuccessful because when you get down the road of like, how do these vaccines get made? You're talking about proprietary knowledge. So at the moment, I'm not able to establish if um, if the vaccines are connected in any way to this spike protein eight. But the crop circle in its own right seems to be giving us a clue or giving us a hint, knowing we're in the middle of a pandemic, uh, that there's a there's there's a part of this virus that is actually helpful and beneficial to humanity if you can find out more about it huh that's interesting spike protein 8 is copyright patented information owned by GlaxoSmith, and it's on a need-to-know basis uh by the lab men in black the lab men in black Tarsi on the fly. I love this. Okay. So let me let me ask you this. And it was just the thought that I had whenever I was watching y'all's movie. And um why crops? Like why not like rocks or something? If they've got this fantastical technology that can do these fantastical, amazing images into crops, not damage the crops, uh, which may be the answer, right? They want to do it in something that it won't damage, it's not permanent. And it's something that they can send a message, but it's wiped away real quick, like a like an ocean washing a message in sand off of the beach, right? But if they were to come down, or if whatever this phenomena is, and stack some crazy rocks in one of these formations, right? That would be amazing. That would be outstanding. And maybe they just haven't left a message important enough to say, all right, guys, we're going to keep this one here with you for a while until you figure it out. I'm going to make a couple points about this real quick. Go. Just a couple. Go. Please. So, to me... Um, using the medium of crops, crops in this area that's been around, and you know, like uh, Gary had said before, we've had mankind uh, modernizing and farming and and uh, advancing and connecting to the planet, and uh, you know being philosophical in this area for thousands of years. And um, I tend to think that these crop circles keep showing up on mass in the Wiltshire area because it's a continuity of messaging. You know, if you're going to message somebody on WhatsApp and then mid conversation, switch to Facebook messenger, and then you're on Instagram messenger, and then you're over in text message, wait a sec, I'm going to send them an email. You're probably going to annoy, confuse, and completely lose the message to the person you're, you're, you're trying to connect with. This makes and sense. And you and I were doing this for a while. We do it all the time. You, we were you've messaging had, on think, two, two different, two different, <laughs> two different accounts on Instagram. And I was like, 
is this it's my personal Brandon, the, or am i being like yeah. hoaxed here it's the show in my up. personal and what's funny is we just kept doing it and i told my wife a while back i was like darcy darcy and i are having a conversation on two different uh yep. platform on, on two different profiles and she was laughing and then you brought it up you said are we are we doing this on two different things like, stick yeah, to one we stream just do one, one yeah. stream yeah anyway so, just a little sidebar but i love i like the idea the continuity of messaging makes total sense just keep yeah keep it in the same place and it also brings more credibility to this messaging because you you, you keep saying hey guys we're here and we're not going to stop we're going to keep coming back year after year spring summer and we're going to show our messages and it's up to you to decipher them. And it's up to you to decide what you want to do with that information. Um, and on top of that, incredibly peaceful messaging, you know, this is not like, uh, landing coordinates like they allude to in, uh, M night Shyamalan's, uh, signs. signs. These are not like sort of war game sort of uh, glyphs. They're just messages that are peaceful and give you some kind of hope and give you some kind of awe and, and inspiration. So um, I like that about the crop circles. And, and that's what I think they're there for. And I think that they'll just keep coming back. Yeah, they're um, almost like intergalactic emojis, you know? Yeah. Huh. They're fun. 3D they're printed emojis yeah. right and then gary your take um well crops are there was another thing i did i came in my head and left a minute ago i'll come on with this one first so crops <clears throat> they are the basis of of uh, of humanity's wealth um this is how we started to to you know take over land and grow stuff and then when we when we develop the ability to be able to grow more than we needed to create a surplus then we had people, some people that were more wealthy than others. And this went on for many years. Oh, I just remembered the thing I wanted to say earlier. So um, you can still find buildings in England called the Corn Exchange. These things were exchanged. It was the basis of currency, hmm. corn and yeah. the seeds. And also, when you go back to ancient Babylonia and look at their measurement systems, their metrology, they were based on a wheat seed and a number of wheat seeds put together. So a lot of our, of our civilization, as we know it today, stemmed from this fact of moving from hunter-gatherers to crop husbandry. Stemmed from, I see what you did there. Agriculture, yeah. yeah. Agriculture. And then when we got to a point in time where we'd done very well from this, uh, and the Brit British uh, Isles is obviously... We took a load of slaves from Africa and we settled them down in Virginia, a million slaves to grow tobacco. And, and then we took the, you know, others to the Caribbean to grow sugar cane. And, and these crops became hugely, hugely wealthy, uh, made the uh, elites of Great Britain become hugely, hugely wealthy and create arguably the biggest empire that came after the Romans and the Greeks. Uh, so, where we are today, where if we were if we were to reflect on okay how did we get here all right we're, we're we're in the world of macbooks and ipads and technology and ai's come in and, and all of these things it came from these humble beginnings of growing a surplus of grain it's very poignant in my view to the human story if we were being asked to reflect on what's brought us to where we are what are the good things and what are the bad things maybe 
crops hmm. are one of them. It's an excellent point. I didn't even think about it, uh, but you guys both make incredibly good points. That that makes complete sense now that you say that. And it is kind of like the core of it. Now, I, I wanted to ask because Gobekli Tepe is older than the area in which in than the area in which this is occurring. Do you think that if we excavate more of that area, we'll find maybe some hints that things like this have been happening there as well? Because now it's just desert. It's in Turkey. But it's like twelve thousand years old and it's purported to be one of the first actual settlements so therefore they needed agriculture therefore that may have been a, a major hub for agriculture at that time yeah so I'd, I'd I, I love the mystery of Gobekli Tepe I've got I some really good friends who <clears throat> who research the um, the monuments around the world one of one of them's here now in Mexico um what's what's interesting to me about Gobekli Tepe is the scale of it because we know we got we're completely mystified with how they built one of these circles, then filled it all in, then built another one on the top, then filled it all in, and built another one on the top. On top of a hill, they went to these enormous, and they've reliefed carved. Yeah, the negative reliefs on there. The negative reliefs of animals, and you've got the same sort of fingers that you find at Easter Island that come around the bottom. Um, you've got um, abstract symbols, lots of abstract symbols, and. I've forgotten the name of the main German researcher that discovered them in '96. Oh, don't do this. Um, I know, yeah, it, but I can't think of it right me now. At the moment. Okay, um, that's okay. But one of because I, I like um, I, I like linguistics and communication. One of the things that he came up with, which I find very interesting, is have you ever come across the phrase multivalent? No. So it means that something has more than one meaning. Oh, okay. Okay. So he likens it a bit to dreaming. And this is where the shamanic cultures using psychedelics come in. Because, you know, you get multiple different things happening. And some of these symbols joined together can mean more than one thing. So that's another, another element to the crop circles in that there, there can be more than one meaning to a crop circle. There could be multiple meanings to a particular glyph. And that's the... The, that may be a way that our alien cousins or whoever it is, the intelligence that's creating these things, they, they might communicate completely different to us where we have these words which define kind of meanings which we look up in the dictionary. But to have a symbol that can convey multiple different messages is something we, we would have difficulty comprehending. But it seems our ancient ancestors dealt with that and now the, maybe the crop circles are doing the same. And Shakespeare. <laughs> and the English language. Shakespeare. Right? Have, you could say there, Shakespeare's there, a fraud. And there, and there. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, true. Shakespeare is, is just a... It was the Earl of Oxford. Ah, there we Britain, go. Britain needed to establish its, you know, it's the superior it's written language strength. around the world. Yeah. <laughs> 60,000 new words created by a man who never went to school. Shakespeare. Yeah. Awesome. Incredible. Well, I make up words all the time. And they're like, <laughs> people are like, man, that's a made up word. I'm like, all words are made up. Okay. So <laughs> exactly. Settle down. Uh, so I wanted to ask, uh, have you ever come across a case to where, or any reports that somebody has been in a field, like standing in a field when a crop circle appeared all around them? So in 888, no, that, uh, what happened, the, the nearest we've got to that is that on 888, when we were doing the night watch, a very dear friend of mine went into a field where the crop circle were, was actually eventually appeared. And I, I'm not sure if I can recall the exact description that she gave at the time, but it was like there was a shrilling noise and a sense of urgency that they needed to get out of the field. 
Yeah. Did she run? They ran. They ran. And then in the morning, that's when the crop, where the crop circle was discovered. I'd have, cool. to, I'd have to get in touch with her to get the exact details of the story. I can't recall all the exact details, but that would be perfect. The field, and they had to run. That would be so, a perfect so scene for a Jerry Bruckheimer film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> running out the field. Running, and the, the, <laughs> the, 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 the field is flattening behind them. They're yeah. like, oh, hurry up. We got to get out of here. <laughs> Transformer crop circle is coming. <laughs> If you guys need any regional uh, voiceover work done, uh, Darcy, I think this is <laughs> going to be your demo man. reel. <laughs> it's mostly my best. other people yeah. impersonating Canadians is what you do well. So I like that. Thank you. Um, so I, I love it. And the geometry of the squaring of the circle, the crop circle ah. that you found in 2018, I think that that is fascinating. So tell us a little bit about that, if you don't mind. Well, this, this is where you, unfortunately, when you start to talk about the golden ratio or the Fibonacci sequence or pi or the squaring of the circle this is where people kind of glaze over and they go oh no i was never really good at maths at school um and you need to kind of like doug and dave get away from that yeah yeah they, they those guys would have there <laughs> um but squaring of the circle is probably the most um prolific message which has been hidden inside crop circles that we've ever experienced there are probably crop circles which we haven't found hidden symbols in yet, but the squaring of the circle is definitely one of them. Um, my, my dear friend Michael Glickman in 1999 discovered, we, you, you know the quintuplet circles where you get like a circle in the middle and then you get four circles on the outside that people thought were spaceships landing when they yeah. were original. So we call those quintuplets. Um, and you, they, they vary but there are some consistencies. So you might get concentric circles running around them or through them, but you'll always have the, the mother circle, the one in the middle, will always be bigger than the four daughter circles that are on the outside. And Mike, there was one came in 1999 where the mother circle, this, instead of being sort of separate from the daughter circles, it ran through them. And Michael decided to join up the centers of the, of the daughter circles with straight lines and then measure the square that that gave him against this mother circle that was underneath. And he found it squared the circle, which means a square is rational. If you have one side is one foot and it's one by one by one. But a circumference, a diameter of a circle is one side of a square. It's, it's what, what one side would be. And then if you measure the relationship between that one and the circumference, it won't be three to one. It won't be 3.5 to one. It's 3.1459264, blah, 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 yeah, on and on and on. Yeah. So we have a, re a relationship. A circle is a very profound symbol because it contains a relationship between something which is finite and something which is infinite. And that's the ultimate mystery of humanity. Right? We wonder, do we have an eternal spirit? Gary King going or, deep. Damn. Deep shit. See? That's some deep shit, man. I love it. <laughs> so, so the squaring of the circle is the uniting of heaven and earth. We know that there are opposite forces that, that, that are in play here on earth, okay? And when two opposing forces of equal um, uh, strength, let's say, meet, they resolve in spirals. That's what happens, right? We see it with water, you know, you push water together, oh, okay. it will yeah, resolve yeah, into yeah, a spiral. Yeah. So <clears throat> um, 
one of the mysteries of the creation of, of, of material reality, the, the, the reality that we live here and are having a conversation in, is how, how is it so finely tuned to create life? If you go back to the Big Bang, you see, and you change one of the parameters, like the speed of light or the constant of gravity, just, just by a fraction of a percent, and then model the explosion, the Big Bang, you'll have a universe that flies apart too quick, or, or you won't get enough chemical elements for, to contain the life brew. It just doesn't work, right? But the Big Bang, the mystery of the Big Bang is that everything was right when it exploded, and it seems like it had an intention to create life right from before it began for all the parameters to be in place so a square and a circle are the opposites aren't they they're these two things which shouldn't go together and when you add up you know the chances of life of us being here having this conversation it's the same as um going into a scrap metal yard and putting a bomb in there and blowing the bomb up and when you clear away the dust and the rubble You've thrown together a Boeing 747 and you get inside and switch it on and fly off. That's the chances of us being here. But here we are. And so this symbol of the square was, was taken to represent Earth because we have four elements. We have four directions, four seasons, um, and we use squares very extensively here on Earth, right? Circles don't work. When we build things, we build square bricks and we build square windows and we build square paving slabs because if you don't if you try and put circles together you'll always have tessellations you'll always have gaps in the middle the square is a very rational thing which represents one side of our psyche rationality the other side circularity is associated with the heavens because the ancient people used to watch the planets go around us in the sky and come back in a full circle after 365 days we calculate our calendars and everything where the beginning is the end, yeah? Where's the beginning and where's the end? So the circle is taken to mean heaven, and the square is taken to mean earth. If you can make a square and a circle be the same size, or the same perimeter and circumference, so it's the same surface area, or the same perimeter and circumference, you're said to be uniting heaven and earth. Now, Plato, Pythagoras, Aristotle... <laughs> Every one of these philosophers tried to create a perfect squared circle and never, ever did it, okay? And in the French Academy, you can look this up, in the French Academy in the 1800s, they actually banned academics from trying to square the circle anymore because they said it was crazy, it can't be done, just stupid. Why are you still trying to pursue this stupid exercise, right? But it's one of those exercises where every time you try it, you learn something. You learn something that you didn't think you would learn by the experience of trying. Anyway, when these crop circles came along, this five, five spots, this quintuplet, and Michael Glickman established that it squared the circle to 99.9% .9 accuracy. It was accurate to the thickness of the pencil line. Then a man called Alan Brown looked back over 25 years of quintuplets that we'd been having as crop circles and found that they all gave us new methods to back-engineer squared circles with the addition of the five-pointed star as the mediator. So you've got heaven and earth and man, five-pointed star, as the mediator that squares the circle that unites heaven and earth. That's a serious <laughs> and powerful message, brother. That's incredible. Mind blown. Mind blown, Gary.
Damn. I mean, even because even uh, Da Vinci worked on this with his man, you know, and the, the Vitruvian man, the Vitruvian exactly. man. That's right. Yeah. I mean, exactly. it's fascinating. And then even even then, though, uh, they were there was ancient man that could do this. Uh, who was it? Graham Hancock was talking about his in his um, America Before book, how in the Amazon they were clearing stuff out and they found these mounds, right? Uh, these hinges that would that had squared circles in them. But it's an ancient, ancient, ancient thing. And then somewhere along the lines, and we, we don't have time to unpack ancient cultures, but I'd love to have you back on if you're interested in that. Sure. Um, like ancient uh, advanced civilizations and stuff like that. But uh, it does seem to be there's an ancient knowledge that we have lost and that it's something That's that it. these guys there's knew no so intimately. Yep. Exactly. Stonehenge squares the circle. Stonehenge, I've got a perfect animation that I use in my presentations where, where if, you draw, if you draw a square around and a circle around it, Stonehenge perfectly squares the circle. So, so these, our ancient ancestors knew this stuff, and it was very, very important to them, and we've forgotten it. Yeah. Okay, we're, we're going to pause it there then, and uh, we're going to come back on that another time, though. Guys, I, I can't thank you enough, man. This has been so cool. I think we're going we're gonna to shut it down here, but like I said, let's do this again soon, man. Darcy, you down? Yeah, for sure. Okay. All right, cool. Gary, dude, thank you guys so much, man. If you want, uh, just hang on one second. Uh, I'll let both of you kind of tell everybody where uh, they can find you and the movie, and then uh, we'll chat for a minute just um, after we wrap here. So uh, don't hang up yet. So, Darcy, okay. you're up. Okay. Uh, if people want to check out my other films, uh, connect on some of the things I've created before this film or this film itself, just go to my website, occultjourneys.com. Uh, I've got the trailers up there, the film posters, and they can uh, read a little bit about the film that they might see. If they click on the poster, it goes right through to um, a website that they can stream it, watch it. Um, and I'm just Darcy Weir on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, if you want to connect, feel free to. Awesome. And I will link uh, all that in the show notes as well. So, Gary, where can we find you, buddy? Uh, I run a just run a simple Facebook page called Against the Grain. Uh, anybody can join. Uh, we, we we encourage all sorts of discussion as long as everything's respectful. You can talk about crop circles in any way you want. If you want to discuss man-made and all the rest of it, you can as long as you do it in a civil way. Um, I regularly post uh, things that I produce for television or animations of analysis that I've done for uh, particular crop circles. Uh, photographs I've, I, I've taken lots of photographs over the years aerial photographs I post those uh, so yeah that's where you can get hold of me so cool but we can still on that page call the people who fake this stuff wankers right oh absolutely okay cool, 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 cool. <laughs> yeah, as long as you do it respectfully <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> bloody wankers right yeah uh, yep. gentlemen I cannot thank you enough for your time this has been such a cool episode this is a banger man great job gentlemen that was so cool uh, just again uh, thank you guys so much uh, all of that will be linked down in the show notes you guys just scroll down there you know how to do it and check that out Darcy Weir Gary King thank you so much Pleasure. thanks for having us Brendan you're the best Huge, 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 huge thanks to Darcy Weir and Gary King for coming on and talking to us about Crop Circles. And the new movie, Crop Circle Realities, will be linked in the show notes below and how to find all of Darcy's other films as well. Absolutely wonderful, guys. Uh, I love this concept. It is fascinating. Hopefully, it has uh, encouraged you guys to go out and look at these things as well. Just take a look at them. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, Crop Circle tattoos will pop up all over the place. And if you want, uh, send me those earlier on um, to 
uh, the email here at expandingrealitypodcast@gmail.com, and I will verify that they are actually not made by those two dickheads that um, fake these things, and we'll get you some authentic ones before you guys get those things tattooed on your body. Unlike all those Chinese tattoos that say other things than what you were told, and uh, you know who you are, those people that have those. Shame. Shame on you. Uh, as for the show here, we do have a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com if you find the show valuable. Contribute as much or little as you want. Uh, go to patreon.com, go to Expanding Reality, and that'll do it for you. As for the other parts of this show, you can, of course, find us at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. The YouTube of this video and many, many more will be on YouTube at Expanding Reality. As well as if you want to contact the show directly, you can do so at Expanding Reality Podcast at gmail.com. So like I said, guys, uh, go out into the world, take this information, research some crop circles. They are so cool, so damn cool. Uh, and, you know, pick up a piece of litter, buy a meal or, you know, book a stamps or something like that for somebody every now and then. Um, you know, do something nice for some people. Uh, we, we're all on a, this planet together. We're all a, we live in a society. We're not, you know, we're in this together, guys. So just go out there and beyond all of that, man, just y'all, y'all be good to each other. We'll see you next time. Thank you.